0: This is The Cable. Big bid on 10-year treasuries over the last week. Is this just a political fight, some political theatre? A lot of people saying, no, thank you, step back. You're saying, get it, why? Your connection
1: from the London market close to the US market action.
0: It is too easy just to blame Brexit. Surely it can't be anything means bye, bye, bye. The Cable. An historic moment from which there can be no turning back. With
1: Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio.
0: Good afternoon, good afternoon to the beautiful city of London. I'm Jonathan Farrow. You are listening to The Cable live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. It's just gone 5pm in the city. At the close today, the FTSE 100 negative 24 points down a third of 1%. Some strength on the continent with the DAX up three quarters of 1%. Some strength in pound sterling as well. We kiss and breach 139 at 139.13. 13. We now trade at 138. 88 the dollar weaker against pretty much Everything in G10, with the exception of the Looney, the Canadian dollar. Euro-dollar firmer as well. We climb higher by around about half of 1% throughout much of this session, up four-tenths of 1% now to 122.39. As we count you down to an ECB decision this time next week. And breaking some critical levels in the Treasury market if you consider round numbers critical levels. The 10-year yield through 260 for the first time since March of last year, up a basis point to 2.6% on a 10-year. The two-year note up by not even a half of one basis point point, up to 2.05%. So that gives you a cross-asset fear of this market. Let's wrap things up and get you some top stories as well and say hello to Charlie Penn.
2: And I thank you very much, Jonathan Farrow. Happy Thursday. Prime Minister May has provisionally agreed to pay about £40 billion as part of the country's exit from the European Union. Some are up in arms about the tab, but an analysis by Bloomberg Economics shows it's a price worth accepting if it helps the UK win favour with EU negotiators and secure a trade deal that has been Beneficial to the economy. Ryanair holding shares are up almost 3% after the Irish discount carrier took another step toward de escalating labor tensions, saying pilots at all. Fifteen of its bases in the U.K. have now voted to accept a pay deal. The U.K. pay agreements remove one potential trigger for added labor strife at Ryanair, which agreed last month to recognize pilots' unions across its European network after refusing to do so for years. Malaysia's Permodalan Nacional is going to buy a stake in London's Battersea Power Station building, where Apple plans to occupy a new U.K. headquarters. The Sovereign Wealth Fund will own the iconic building with the employees provident fund in a deal which values the power station building at about 1.6 billion pounds. That is the latest from the news desk. Jonathan Farrow, back to you. It's
0: all happening in Battersea. It is, it? it is.
2: And it, it is iconic. And I vividly, you know, even as recently as a couple of years ago. The taking White the, Towers. The White Towers. But I remember always taking the train out of Victoria, yeah. heading down to Margate of all places. That's where my mom lived for many years. But every time I would go past Battersea, I, I don't know what made me do it. Maybe it was the tourist in me. I would always snap a picture would of the better
0: Power power. Oh, without a doubt. It's even iconic. Even even as recently you know, as Chal- a couple of years Chal- ago. Chelsea Football Club wanted their new stadium there. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, and it couldn't happen. and
2: Because they couldn't pull down. They,
0: they, wouldn't, they wouldn't allow them to have the stadium. No, and I'm, I'm glad that – it's
2: good news, bad news. I'm glad that they've got that building going to preserve it, glad that it's being worked on. Uh, on the other hand, you know, if it were pulled down and something newer, bigger and better
0: was there – I'm going to get email on this. But if something was, you know, something else replaced it. You can have the email. I'll I'll get even more email by saying I didn't often venture south of the river in London. But when when I did, I literally would just cross over the river just a little bit and then hang out by Battersea Park. Uh, That's about as far as I went. And And I had a friend that lived in Ballam, so I lie. I went a little bit further down and went to Ballam. But that's about as south of the river as I went. And
2: I had grandparents who grew up in Bermondsey, so I would spend a lot of time uh, Southwark Park Road and Southwark Park down in Bermondsey, so I remember that well. I can tell you, house
0: prices in Battersea over the last couple of years climbed so much. It's almost like South Chelsea. Right. And,
2: and, and house prices in Bermondsey. I mean, I remember when that was not, you know, my grandfather was a dock worker. And, uh, you know, and you think about London and docks, which is another era yep. entirely. But, uh, you know, that was not a desirable neighborhood to live in.
0: Over we'll Canary Wharf in East London. Now, Correct. If, if he'd bought back then.
2: Correct. Wow. Correct, correct, and also I remember as a kid growing up taking a, a a tour of the docks, and presumably that was the area that I was touring yeah. as a kid. It's, yeah, and and I go back to Battersea Wharf now. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I go back to Canary Wharf now, and it is just unbelievable the development it's that is taken Incredible, it is, and it's actually a place that you want to go to and hang out if you like, you know, could, hanging out with financial I, people.
0: I, I couldn't. I, I love that. I would go to a bar over at Canary Wharf. Couldn't live there though. It feels quite. Synthetic, bit, yeah, yeah I agree, bit, totally agree, totally agree. Clinical, everything's yep, a bit yep, too clean yep, and it, nice. It, it, and exactly, new and right. And I don't know a about ghost you, town on the weekend as well.
2: Yeah, and I I like that swarm of sort of grimy, edgy, you know, the old uh, red brick
0: yeah, building. Yeah, but even I like the the old factory buildings converted to yes,
2: apartments. Yes, lofts. That's beautiful. Yep, the lofts. E- exactly. But I also like neighborhoods that are quote unquote up and coming. Yep. Still a little bit rough around the edges. They may not have all the supermarkets, uh, but you know, there's always something going. I can't say I love
0: that. So. sounds like shortage is for you. Yeah, um, yeah it works for me. Maybe not for me. Okay. Cheers. All right, Charlie. I wonder if we've got any listeners left. I hope we have. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about Brexit, shall we? Uh, No, we're definitely going to have no listeners left now. Um, The Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, the US President, Donald Trump, is uh, avoiding a visit to Britain, according to the Secretary, but only because he wants to allow Prime Minister Theresa May to focus her attention on withdrawing from the European Union. Now, if you remember last week, the President cancelled, in um, inverted commas, a, a visit to London after saying the new US Embassy had been sold for peanuts and the new building was a bad deal. There has been some controversy over the possibility of a visit by the President since May delivered an invitation in January last year. Opposition groups promised protests if he visited. So is it all about Brexit and what happens to the, the very special relationship? Richard Jones, FX and rate strategist joining me and Paul Dobson, team leader for Bloomberg Markets Life Blog in London. Paul, how is this playing out in London? Is this anything anyone's talking about still or have we gotten over it?
3: Kind of think. Uh mostly over it, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, you know, <clears throat> people are people are slightly interested in uh the royal wedding and all of that kind of thing. But Trump's visit, Jonathan, I think, you know, probably the majority of Brits are kinda pretty happy but not that bothered
0: either way. Is the uh, the majority of Brits happy with um Sterling at one hundred thirty nine Paul?
3: Yeah, well, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? It was quite surprising, the amount of strength that it's got. Although, so the chap that sits next to me, who is from uh, the USA, turns to me and says, wow, how can you possibly think that the dollar, you know, the pound would be right back up there? And I said to him, no, the dollar is right down there, (laughs) you know. It's, uh, it's, more, it's not a question of sterling strength, it's a question of dollar weakness. And if you look at euro sterling, which is a much better indicator of Brexit risks, Barely moved. as you might have heard me bang on about before, yep. once or twice, yeah, exactly, we're still just below 90 pence per euro. You know, uh, It's not looking particularly strong by that measure, at least. I asked uh, Richard Jones this question often. Are you uncomfortable with
0: cable up here, Rich? Um, not really
4: that bothered, John, to no? be honest. You're okay.
0: Um, it's, uh, You're, 139 uh, makes uh, sense to you? I'm happy to see the euro um,
4: above 120 against the dollar. I think Paul's absolutely right when it comes to gauging uh, the strength of sterling if you want to get get a sort of an unbiased view of it. I think Euro is a good place to look and 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 yeah, it's Bre moved this year it's 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 waiting for the next big move to be triggered by the next stage of Brexit negotiations, I think. Um,
0: well Rich, what's position look like right now around cable? We were super, super short after Brexit inevitably. What's it look like now?
4: Well, what's your dollar view, I think is is is, what, is how you answer that. And and given how weak the dollar has been, and 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 not just weak against the pound, but broadly weak, I think I think your cable view is is definitely um, going to be predicated on what you think the dollar is going to do. Um, I, I think it's I, I think there's there's reasons to think that the dollar uh, drop could continue. It might run out of a bit of the steam that it's built up. But, uh, but some of the fundamentals, I think, are, are playing uh, against the dollar right now. And, and, and I know you want to talk a little bit about the government shutdown in, in a couple of segments. But, but what I would say is that, you know, there's, there's a lot of debate as to what impact that's going to have on financial markets. Yeah. But one thing I think unambiguously, I would say, is it's not going to be great for the dollar.
0: Bloomberg's Richard Jones alongside Paul Dobson. Stick with me next up on this programme. We take it to China, posting its first full-year pickup for growth since 2010. The train just keeps on chugging. The second biggest economy in the world performing very well. Well, concerns still remain. That conversation's next. This is Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to The Cable.
1: This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio.
0: Good afternoon, good afternoon to the City of London. I'm Jonathan Farrow. You are listening to The Cable, live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. It's just gone 5.10 in the city. At the close today, the FTSE 100, a little bit softer, down a third of 1%, off by 24 points. The pound firmer, stronger against the weaker dollar against most of the G10 in the FX market today. We push 139. We breached that very briefly today. We trade at 138.97. in the here and now, the highest levels since June 23rd, 2020. 20- 2016. That day um, etched in the memory, I'm sure for many of you. In China, for the first time since 2010, the rate of economic growth in China has sped up. GDP rose 2.9% in 2017, an increase of two-tenths of one percent. That gives the Chinese authorities more room to get rid of excessive borrowing. Exports were better than expected, and so were household income and corporate profits. Paul, how is China still doing this?
3: Good question. Uh, the The growth is uh, still looking strong, even though, you know, most people are, are waiting and watching and even accepting of the fact that there's going to be a slowdown over the, the coming years. You know, there's no explicit growth target out there anymore. There's a commitment to reining in credit and uh, to having a more, what's the right word? I was going to say sensible, but I don't think that's exactly fair, but, you know, a kind of more uh, measured and uh, safer financial Uh, Market. So, based on that, you know, I I guess you can say growth has looked great. Perhaps it's going to wind down a little bit from here. But on the other hand, you know, everybody else around the world would be particularly happy, I would have thought, with uh, (laughs) anything close to where, where China is still. One thing that the
0: Chinese can be happy with, Rich, is the currency. The currency certainly is the weak. weak certainly isn't the weak. Weak thing we worried about several years ago. In fact, the currency is looking pretty strong. Is the dollar and the weaker dollar story, given the Chinese a helping hand here. Rich,
4: I think. It, I think it definitely is, John. And and I think you know the funda- the thing, the thing I think that's interesting about the Chinese growth figures is that if you have a, a generally a positive uh, macro view for two thousand and eighteen. A lot of this is predicated on China doing what China is doing, and that's to say, you know, growing at that at relatively um, strong pace, and and I think you know there's there's a there's a lot of the impact domestically of what's going on in China has so many uh, important ramifications for the global economy. But these numbers, I think, will give those uh, those forecasters or those investors that have a, a sort of a positive half-glass half-full half, half view of 2018, uh, I think a little bit more conviction because I, I think the fear always is at some stage there's going to be, if not a hard landing in China, that's, this growth is going to slow to the point where it's going to impinge on global growth. We're not there yet. I think that the, the, the weak dollar is part and parcel of all of that. I think that is helping the Chinese currency. Um, and, and, you know, I'm I, I sort of cautiously optimistic about 2018. My, I think my concern is that my caution might not be warranted and that we might get actually bigger moves than I initially thought, and, and these Chinese numbers
0: kind of point to that. Is this what you think um, underpins kind of the resilience in AM? some fuel for EM maybe, and in the industrial complex over the last couple of months as well, the bullishness around that as well, Paul.
3: Yeah, well, absolutely. It's certainly helping the rest of Asia. I was looking at a really interesting post on our live blog uh, earlier saying how uh, South South and Southeast Asia may take over the growth pattern from the North, uh, from, from South Korea, for example, from China and Japan as well. Uh, you know, it's China that's giving the helping hand, but then a lot of the satellite economies come with it, of course. Uh, you've got strength in the commodity sector that we're seeing, despite there being some uh, limits on, on Chinese consumption over the winter period. You've got Australian dollar coming back strong again at the moment. So, yeah, it's helping a lot in that region. What I'm really interested in, though, Jonathan, is to bring it back here, the fact that the Chinese are out shopping and buying bonds in Europe with their money at the moment. So yep. that's uh, even spinning over into the euro area. And not buying
0: as, as many treasuries either, which apparently is not fake news. It's... um. It's real news. Paul Dobson at Bloomberg and Richard Jones of Bloomberg sticking with me next up on the programme. We are going to have a conversation about the potential for a government shutdown in the United States of America. What are the consequences of that shutdown? And should you be concerned if you have money in this market? Maybe not. That conversation next. This is Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to The Cable.
1: is The Cable with Jonathan Ferro on Bloomberg Radio.
0: This is The Cable on Bloomberg Radio with me, Jonathan Ferro, live across the Capitol on DAB Digital Radio. The President of the United States has thrown a wench into House Republican plans to pass a one-month spending bill today. The President says he doesn't want a provision funding children's health insurance in the short-term bill. Republicans had hoped to use the, uh, the children's health issue as a way of getting Democrats to vote for the measure. We'll be blamed if it didn't pass. Joining me, Paul Dobson and Richard Jones. This is as ugly in D.C. as it ever had been. And I'm not talking about connections to the president, Donald Trump. I'm talking about the previous administration as well. The dysfunctional D.C. story just hasn't gone anywhere, has it, Rich?
4: Yeah, and that's I think that's exactly the best way to describe it. And, you know, I, I argued um, throughout 2017 that one of the reasons why the dollar didn't do as well as, as many thought it would is because you've got Republicans controlling both houses of Congress, a Republican, uh, Republican in the White House. There was high hopes that there that would that be a lot done in 2017, and, and there wasn't. The dysfunction that is described is, is, is exactly sort of what's characterized the whole Trump presidency. That's carrying on, and, and while I'm not sure that the government shutdown will have a, 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 anything more than a modest effect on on the country, I think in terms of the broader political narrative, it's still dysfunctional. You still can't get anything done, and, and you know, the gridlock is as is, is bad now, if not worse, than any other time in, in recent memory. And that's, that's a problem for the dollar. Uh, it, it has been in 2017, and I think it will continue to be into this year.
0: So the, the question for me, Paul, is whether this matters for market participants, because ultimately, for the market, they've got what they wanted. They've got a tax cut elsewhere they're not really expecting anything else so why should the dysfunction in Washington DC actually matter doesn't matter in Germany doesn't matter in Spain why should it matter in the United States
3: yeah well I guess a shutdown means you absolutely can't achieve anything and people stop working so there's going to be backlogs and that kind of thing as well which makes it a little bit more complicated on the other hand in the past when we've been in these situations the actual effect on markets and particularly on the economy has been pretty minimal Um, you know the shutdown itself maybe isn't the most important thing to focus on here, Jonathan, because uh, obviously we're getting close to the debt limit as well, and if they can't yeah. get an agreement there, then that's going to cause more uh, disruptions. You see already there's some kinks in the treasury bill market. Um, in the US about about whether there might be some delays to repayments and that kind of thing you know the last time that we got a real crunch on that it was a little bit more tense and there was a little bit more concern so keep an eye out for that one in March so you know for me from an equity point of view on the potential
0: for a shutdown I, I keep going back to the following question Rich are you're really gonna sell stocks on the potential that the national parks close down for a little bit I would say probably not. Someone might. I imagine there'll be a buyer that comes in as well. That's just a common sense view of sort of looking at this. And on the the debt ceiling issue as well, Rich, are we really going to sit here and think that the the government uh, are going to take us through default in the United States of America? I think the answer to that would probably be no as well for the majority of people I'd ask that question to. But needless to say, someone might get jittery. Does all this help potentially rich though something that we haven't had for a while and that's a significant pickup in vol we've already had a little bit of a pickup in the vix and i'm just wondering when we can finally get a pickup in cross asset volatility and just maybe to a certain extent maybe not a big one but the dysfunction in dc could help contribute to that
4: yeah well i think you're right to say that i don't think the equity markets are going to be all that fussed about this and 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 you know Quite frankly, why should they I think where you where you do where you might get a little bit of of, uh, of a jump in volatility is in the FX space you might get it in the rate space um, it depends it depends how it plays out but I, I think I think you're right to say that that uh, equity investors will be quite sanguine about this and you know I think we've been here before and equity markets have 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 done all right, and I think the momentum behind the equity move uh, is not necessarily driven. Uh, by what's going on in Washington. I think it's part and parcel of it, but I think more than anything, it's, it's, it's decent fundamentals um, and, and accommodative central banks that are really driving this. And I don't think a government shutdown changes that dynamic too much for equity. I think you look in FX, I think you look in rates for any potential shifts in, in, in a higher volatility regime. But even then, I think it's, 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 it's going to take something um, pretty impressive to to really shift that from where
0: it is now. So you know, help me out here. You really think it's going to have an impact on the dollar? Well, it you has know, had an immediate I, impact, hasn't it? I mean, is if that you just you think? what you see on today, the screen? Though, you, what, what you see on the screen right now, we are we are attributing that to the government shutdown.
3: Have a look. At, have a look at dollar, dollar yen, Jonathan. You know, well, I know I'm looking the at the, I'm looking at the G ten. I'm looking at the move
0: in the G ten space today. I'm just
3: trying to understand. Is that what's happening? I think, think there's certainly a little bit of a little bit of that you know f x market is the most jumpy and tends to react first to that kind of thing. We've been on a dollar down theme anyway. they was trying to stage a little bit of recovery. This is the sort of thing that can reignite that pressure and catch people who were betting on a bit of a bounce uh on the wrong side of the trade right okay rich
4: yeah i think I think there is uh, there's a, a sort of a a whole range of things that have gone into to why the dollar has been weak um, I think seventeen and eighteen. Politics has been a big driver and i and I think that this is just yet another episode. Where everybody is sort of if you and but as Paul says, if you're looking to play a turn in the dollar, you're probably getting caught on this because it's not you're not coming at the most in, uh, the most opportune time for for people who are looking for a shift in the dollar. And it just seems that it's one thing after another out of Washington. And and this in and of itself might not be a big deal, but when you stack it up with everything else that that investors have had to face sort of in the last year, or so it, it's it's just a litany of of, of disappointments. And and uh, I think it's it's more about tone. I think it's more about about sort of the symbolism of it all. Um, and, and you just you look at this and you say, how, how is the whole sort of tenor of, of what's going on in Washington going to shift? And I don't think anybody can see it yet.
0: Richard James, it's been great to catch up with you, sir. FX and race strategist at Bloomberg, alongside Bloomberg's Paul Dobson, team leader for Bloomberg Markets Live Blog in London. Gents, thank you. Thank you very much. Next up on the program, we take it to the earnings on Wall Street. Morgan Stanley wrapping up things for the big banks here in New York City. We'll get you up to speed on some of the numbers and how the tax bill has shaped some of the numbers. Did the uh, President of the United States and the GOP tax bill just bail out a really rough quarter for some of Wall Street's biggest banks? How much have taxes come down by and what are they going to do with all that money? That conversation's next. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio This is The Cable.
1: This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio.
0: Good afternoon. Good afternoon to the City of London. You are listening to the cable live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio. Just gone five thirty in London at the close, negative twenty four points on a FTSE, negative a third of one percent. Some strength in sterling today. Some weakness in the US dollar against most of the G ten space. Cable getting up to one thirty nine a sterling against the US dollar, one thirty nine zero four, up a half of one percent. The dollar weaker against all ten major currencies in G ten. In the Treasury market, we do get through some round numbers, through 260 for the first time since March of last year, 260.34 on my screen on a US 10-year. Two-year yields getting up to 2.04%. To round things out in the commodity market, Brent and WTI... Pretty much unchanged. Brent up to 69.39. WTI at 64 dollars and around about 10 cents. So then the market moves. That gives you a cross asset picture. Let's get you some of the top stories now and say hello to Bloomberg's Charlie Pettit and hello once again, Jonathan
2: Farrow. Busy Thursday. Prime Minister May provisionally agreeing to pay about 40 billion pounds as part of the country's exit from the European Union. Some are up in arms about the tab, but an analysis by Bloomberg Economics shows it is a price worth accepting if it helps the UK win favor with EU negotiators and secure a trade deal that's beneficial to the economy. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson says President Trump is avoiding a visit to Britain because he wants to allow Prime Minister May to focus her attention on withdrawing from the European Union. Ryanair Holdings shares are up almost 3% today after the Irish discount carrier took another step toward de-escalating labor tension, saying pilots at all 15 of its bases in the UK have now accepted a pay deal. And Malaysia's Permodalan Nacional is going to be buying a stake in London's Battersea Power Station building, where Apple plans to occupy a new UK headquarters. The Sovereign Wealth Fund will own the iconic building with the Employees' Provident Fund in a deal that values the power station building at about £1.6 billion. Latest from the news desk... Jonathan Farrow, back to you.
0: If I've ever met a Ryanair kind of guy, oh, it would be me, Pellet. sort of. But yeah. I will
2: never fly Ryanair. Why not? Because lowest price isn't always the best deal. Wow, here we go. And, I walk me and, through and, that. And, and that, and I'm, I'm scared. I, I, you know, I, what I, you know, I.
5: What does that even mean? Does that mean that the wings would fall off?
2: No, it means that I don't want. As a matter of fact, I don't want to have to worry about a lot of things when it comes to cell phone service, when it comes to power providers, when it comes to air travel. I don't want to be nickeled and dimed. Yes, I like a low price. Yes, I like okay. a great deal. But sometimes it's better to go all in and not have to worry so about why costs is it like you that. you
0: worry about, about Ryanair? Well,
2: Ryanair doesn't always fly to a lot of the places that I want to go to. When I go to Venice, okay. I want to fly right into Venice. I don't necessarily want to go to the airport outside of Venice okay. and then have to take a bus yep, for sure. a great deal of, uh, of distance. That said, I'm off to Amsterdam in a couple of weeks. Yes, I will be flying EasyJet from, uh, uh, from Amsterdam into Berlin. I don't mind flying to some of the suburban airports there because Is they're close the trip in. with the sun yeah with the sun you know okay. and we're, we're we're going to amsterdam because that's where you want to take a 15 year old son clearly know, that's a, yeah you know i was there <laughs> but, at, i think i was there at 14. Uh, were you really on a football tour yeah. Yeah. Were you going to the van gogh museum no um, doubt the Anne frank I mean, house all yeah all stuff. of that yeah. stuff yeah. Yeah, i'm yeah. sure yeah.
0: you were uh, yeah. i'm yeah. sure
5: he was <laughs> whatever
0: <laughs> we did all of that yeah on yep. my school trip yeah exactly <laughs> uh, no I don't remember doing any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Is, that, is that on the list,
2: Charlie? Uh, no, it's not. As a matter of fact, it's get in, get out, let him say that he has been to Amsterdam, take him on a canal tour, let him see the Anne Frank house and museum. Okay. Uh, and after that, then we're going to Berlin, where we plan to go to some of the Holocaust museums there. And then also, uh, there's a fascinating piece of aviation history. There's a lot of aviation history okay, so in Berlin. Okay, it's a really
0: cultural trip on the one hand, and then you're going to do the aviation stuff yeah, on the other? Yeah, but the aviation, because one of the tallest
2: buildings in the world that was built to to how Zeppelins has been turned into a water park outside Berlin. Has it really? And we're going to go there.
0: How do you know that?
2: Uh, because my kid found it on the internet That's and he said, amazing. "Let's go there." So that was part of the bribe to get him to London. Yeah, he's going to uh,
5: show up. You're going to show up, and there's going to be like a gate and a couple of. jobs jell- He's uh, going to
2: show up, and I'm no, gonna no, going hey, <laughs> <laughs> to the be
5: there too. I'm going to be there as well. Sign, you know, here's but, your. But, but Matt
2: Miller in our Berlin bureau doesn't know it yet. But I'm going to visit him Is and Matt say hello. Is Matt going to
0: go to the indoor? Uh, place? I, I doubt.
2: It. You know why? Because he's he's busy interviewing world leaders like the rest of our guests and like everybody else here at
0: bloomberg that's what the guy does is it yeah that's people matt, like that's uh, what matt right, right. me i see the sights and have fun so. okay all right cheers me you got go to have run. fun all right i understand and you got great guests here thank you a fantastic guests. you're right thank you you're eating into precious time with them charlie thank you very much actually still and lisa bram is joining me now at this point in the program i usually just hand it over to you guys and you find someone to talk about and i sit back so what is it today guys
6: what are you feeling lisa what do you got I'm feeling a little sick. You no, are?
5: You, are you a little feel, sick. Are you feeling ill? Are you actually <laughs> no, feeling ill? I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm all right. Okay. Um, I can you get, can you I think get through that, the next 20 minutes? It's going to be all right. <laughs> I might die on air. She said that she never otherwise. gets
6: sick. Uh, I know. Like, like, we literally can have had last like, week I've never
5: gotten sick ever. I know. I was like someone striking me down like a, a greater Is beauty. this when
0: you became um, full time in, in Bloomberg Media? Yep, so pretty it, much.
5: Yep. That's actually <laughs> what She never, <laughs> never, <laughs> never got <laughs> sick right. until she I stopped think writing. One of the most interesting stories of the day is Bank of New York Mellon saying that it was going to take some of the money that it's going to save from the tax cuts and it's going to actually spend it on their business. It's actually going to pay more to its employees, it's actually going to invest in new technologies, and its shares are down almost 5%. Wow. And this, to me, is a fascinating story because it's showing how, you know, from an economic perspective, everyone is hoping that corporations in the U.S. will take all that money that they're going to save from the tax cuts and plow it into the bigger economy and pay people more, inflation, virtuous cycle, blah, blah, blah. And this just shows, you know, if they actually do that, they are penalized, even if long term, that is the best thing for their business. And meanwhile, you have other companies saying we are going to pay... you know, bigger dividends or buy back more shares, and those shares rise.
0: That's fantastic. But- and when you fold this in, Alex, into the Larry Fink letter from BlackRock to the big CEOs, invest in future growth, I'm sure they're going to sit there and think, well, look, I'm... Um- Charles shaft did it over at Bank of New York, Mellon, and that's what right. happened.
6: That's right. Yeah, no, it's a good point. But if you take a look overall at companies that are investing more, uh, say, in CapEx versus dividend and buybacks, the companies that are investing more in CapEx have risen. So I'm just wondering if this is like a Bank of America, um, excuse me, um, Bank of Mellon, New York issue specifically. Like, they don't want to see it with banks. But if you're an industrial, it's cool. Like, if you're an Apple company, it's cool. I mean, how then do you explain that those companies that invested in CapEx have actually done well?
0: Well, it's not clear to me actually on the Apple story how much of that is incremental. In, in, into into CapEx, Apple really vague yesterday. And if you go through the press release, you know I spoke to an analyst this morning about it. Actually, Lisa, the press release I said to him quite clearly, who was this aimed at? Wall Street or somewhere else? And he just turned around to me and said, "Well, it wasn't aimed at us. This press release was not for us. Of this course, was the corporate PR." Trump. Yeah. This was it's aimed directly
5: at President Trump because, realistically, first of all, just to be very clear, everyone's saying, "Well, this means that they're probably going to bring back uh, north of two hundred billion dollars in cash back to the U.S., and that's why they're going to get this thirty-eight billion dollar tax bill on it." What does that mean? A vast majority of this "quote unquote" cash is invested in short-term U.S. corporate debt. So, if if that's the case, what's it? It's going to go from there to what? To there on the other side I mean they're just gonna pay the taxes on it you know there's a there's a huge question of what they're gonna do with this certainly the market is not seeing this as any kind of wholesale uh, overhaul of their general business you're not seeing some kind of new project so yeah I mean it's hard to say what they're actually saying other than throwing around a lot of big numbers that President Trump can kind of be proud of
6: also they got to pay that tax bill no matter what whether or not they bring that home so I still question that headline
0: True. All true. Um, Alex Still and Lisa Bravitz sticking with me. Next up on the program, we're going to talk about some of the bank earnings. Morgan Stanley reporting today, wrapping up things for the street. We have talked about the tax bill and bank in New York Mellon, but it was a really interesting quarter for some of the big banks out there. Alex has the privilege of speaking to some of the uh, leadership over at Goldman. It would be interesting to get her insights on where this goes next at Goldman Sachs after a pretty rough quarter for fixed income trading, but a really solid quarter for elsewhere in the bank. So it's the scorecard for the big banks on Wall Street. Street. that's next this is Bloomberg Radio you're listening to The Cable
1: This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio
0: Good afternoon Good afternoon. this is The Cable on Bloomberg Radio with me Jonathan Farrow live across the capital on DAB Digital Radio we wrap up the bank earnings on Wall Street with Morgan Stanley. The firm's wealth management fees climbed to a record in the fourth quarter as the S&P 500 index reached an all-time high. The company beat its target cost ratio for the year and posted the highest profitability under CEO James Gorman. I'm calling him the quiet man on Wall Street. He really is the quiet man on Wall Street, Alex. I've been thinking about this for, for quite a few months now. We spend so much time thinking about blank and and Diamond and others. And then here's this guy that's managed this fantastic transition away from fixed income trading towards equity, making an acquisition that helps them drive through into wealth management in a significant way. And no one talks about James Gorman.
6: It's so true. He's like so under the radar. He's also kind of intimidating. Have you ever interviewed him in well, person? Well, he's an Aussie. Yeah, he's just like he's very stoic. Yeah. Really smart, but sometimes you're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, hold on. So I intense. think
5: I think that the other issue is that Morgan St- Stanley kind of came out with an unsexy strategy. That now Look, everyone else is following. That everyone else is following. It was the right strategy, but it is not sexy. It is not saying, we're going to take big risks and we're going to become a tech company on one hand, but we're also going to be uh, become a company of all the big gunners who can go out there and make a ton of money in these esoteric markets. That was Goldman. Morgan Stanley said, no, we're going to cut our entire business across the board, same level. We're going to right-size it. Banks have to be smaller today. And they went ahead with that strategy. Not sexy very successful.
6: But here's what I'm wondering, as the cyclical world continues, and this is obviously going to be more Goldman's argument, is Goldman Sachs is the only one left who's looking at the past and saying, we're still going to operate a little bit like we did in the past, especially with their commodity business. If the cycle does turn, if hedge funds really come back in a bigger way... If they really need to go trade, Goldman Sachs will o- will really be one of the only games in town. Okay, what well, you said two different things there, right? So it's it's the cycle
5: turning, and and there's a question, you know, in other words, when volatility picks up, you know, if that happens, they'll be the only game in town. Hedge funds, it's another story, right? So we saw mm-hmm. the sort of decline in hedge funds and, and a bigger proportion of Goldman Sachs clients are hedge funds than any other bank. So this is a crucial client base for them. And we've seen that hedge funds have really struggled over the past number of years. So there has to be sort of a perfect storm for Goldman to do really well, right? Yeah. There has to be an increased in volatility and a resurgence in the hedge fund industry like we haven't seen. They're kind of betting on, on, on you know, something because- that...
0: To be clear, Lisa, That's the low-vol side of the business, the low-vol story affected one side of the business in a negative way. It helped advisory fees over in the investment bank because mm-hmm. if things are calm and stable, I'm going to do more M&A. I'm going to issue more, more more debt as well. Uh, There's other side of the business that will do well when the trading isn't doing so well. In fact, lost in the numbers with Goldman yesterday. And I do think a lot of people were very hard on Goldman Sachs, focused on the big drop-off in fixed trading revenue, as you should be, as you should question the strategy over at Goldman, considering it's been weak for several quarters. Revenue on the year, up. Annual revenue was up, and no one really talked about it because we were so focused on FIC. And annual revenue was up because the IB, the investment Mm -hmm. bank, actually did really, really well
6: but that's part of their strategy and they would never say it like this but they're they want to cross sell so they want to go to greg Lemkow, who was one of the co-heads of the investment bank and say hey when you go talk to your clients can we also talk to them about uh trading can we also talk to them uh about this as well so we can get more business on our trading side like that's part of their game now like it's basically cross selling and that's what they kind of want to do to capitalize on their ib business
0: yeah and, and a final one on james gorman i had this conversation with someone earlier and i think they probably hit the right the right tone with their answer If you think about it, the kings of the financial crisis, so to speak, if you could be a king. But the guys that came out of that storm are the names we all know. Jamie Diamonds, the Lloyd Blank finds. Mac has gone. So James Gorman is like this new name. So we're all attached to these sort of, the names that get spoken about the most are the ones that came through the storm Perhaps. of the financial crisis and are still with us. And I think that's probably why we still, still talk, talk so much about Jamie Dimon and Lloyd Blankfein and, and maybe not enough about James Gorman it's and the job he
5: tweets, he's doing. man. I think that there also... You think also Gorman should tweet? It's sort of... <laughs> then we talk more about Gorman. <laughs> well, I think that there's also this gilded age of finance, And yep. it feels like that's ending. And I think that perhaps James Gorman is the poster child of the new version. Yeah, maybe.
0: Along with Sergio Ramotti over at at UBS. That's right. Guys, sticking with me, Alex Steele and Lisa Ramitz. This is The Cable. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio.
1: This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrell on Bloomberg Radio.
0: Good afternoon. Good afternoon to the City of London. I'm Jonathan Farrow. You are listening to The Cable live across the capital on DAB. A digital radio It's just gone 5.48 in London. Headline crossing the Bloomberg. Um, the Senate has the votes to pass the electronic surveillance programme bill. Okay. Does the Senate have the votes to, to get rid of the government shut down Lisa
5: Bravitz? Um, No, it so, doesn't actually. Yeah. And I think that, uh, I mean, it's getting there. And basically, there's a stopgap measure that a lot of people thought they would pass. And now uh, Democrats are saying we're not going to vote on that. And we're not going to vote for the stopgap measure. Yeah, I know. John Farrow is giving me this look of
0: are you no, bleeping, no, no, bleep, no, no, look, bleeping look, me? No, no, no. My my view on this from a market perspective Please. is if the government shuts down and the national parks close, do you sell stocks because the national parks are closed?
5: No. Well, not, not only no, but actually Ira Jersey, interest rate strategist at Bloomberg Intelligence, pointed out that, yes, the national parks are going to close, but the Treasury Department is going to continue making good on their bond payments. It doesn't it doesn't alter sort of the default backdrop for the U.S. or the credit worthiness yeah. of the U.S., which is important.
6: And and yes. And also, I feel like it's going to get done because that's how Trump has rolled. I mean, when Tom Barrack, who I like to call uh, Donald Trump's this is what he meant to say, friend. <laughs> what, what was on the show? That is
0: such an accurate description um, of the of Tom Barrack. Yeah, it really I is. It.
6: And I asked him. I said straight up, I was like, "Is President Trump racist?" And I asked that specifically because of the whole DACA issue with the government shutdown. And if he is, that is going to be a huge stumbling block. And he said, "No, no, no, he's not. That's literally his negotiating tactic. When he comes out and says weird stuff, apparently that's his negotiating tactic." So I just. I, it's like, how do you even digest that as a market participant? So,
0: so Gillian Tet of the Financial Times, um, she said something really interesting the other night. And she said that um, the Trump administration was like an Agatha Christie novel where everyone rushes into the kitchen because they've heard a noise. So everyone's in the kitchen and that's what they're focusing on. But the murder takes place in the library. <laughs> uh, and that's like, the, that's like this administration right now. We're all obsessed that he said asshole, reportedly. In the Oval Office, when he talked about several countries. We're all obsessed with his relationship with Bannon and this story that's come out, fire and fury. And in the meantime, all the real stuff, I mean the policy stuff, is happening in the library. We're obsessed with the personality of the president, but meanwhile, serious policy issues are taking place in the library. So, what's the murder? that, That go on. I asked the same question What is the murder? The murder, if you think about it, is the deregulation around energy and emissions. Those things are going on behind the scenes. The murder is the erosion of institutions worldwide things that are happening behind the scenes slowly without you even realizing they're very slow burning issues that all of a sudden you realize are going to have a big big impact and
5: actually one other murder uh that people perhaps are just starting to uh pay attention to are the trade policies and how they're getting rewritten and uh, leland miller of the china beige book uh, came on bloomberg radio earlier today and he said within the next few weeks The Trump administration will unveil their China policy, their trade policy, and it could potentially be a huge deal and totally blow up a lot of the relationship. And people are not really prepared for that. And they don't really have guidance as to which way it could go.
6: Hmm, Interesting. I'm trying. I'm pausing because I'm trying to think of some kind of relationship to Clue, which is one of the best movies ever made into Donald Trump. With Agatha Christie? No, you guys aren't on that. You take some me on time. That. No, you
5: Well, can take I, some time I, and come I mean, I, I, I actually never. I, I just thought what, of the board don't game. Don't even
6: tell me you've never seen Clue because I'm gonna have to die. I, I've, I've,
0: I've never seen it. Seen Clue. Are you? What? No, is it? Is it Poirot?
6: Clue is, is like does, does the have, best does, movie ever. Does it have Poirot? No, this is like the oh, comedy. I love Poirot. This, too. this is <laughs> the comedy one. No.
0: No. Listen.
6: I've played the board game. Help me. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh my god, it's like the funniest thing ever. Nope.
0: No idea Ma- Ma-
6: Madeline Kahn. Nope. As Miss Scarlet. Nope. Nothing. No, she's not Miss Scarlett. Is this Miss Cluedo? White.
0: Is this Cluedo? Yeah, no, Clu. Clu- no, it's a movie about Cluedo.
6: No, just Clue. Like but is it, is it
0: about the board game Cluedo? Yeah, yeah,
6: And they made it into a, a really funny comedy. Wow. that's had Madeline what, what, Was it like 2018? As, as 2018. The when, board no. game becomes a
5: movie. Out? What? Oh, my God. When did God. this come Hold
6: out? Hold on. I'm going to look it up right now. I'm i watched like Doctor shocked. Who. I'm, 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 I love am okay, I've, like,
5: I've, I've worked Lisa. with Alex
0: for several years now. She's like the least cool person <laughs> I've ever met <laughs> so in media. So no one else has <laughs> ever watched this movie, Lisa. So Don't worry about it. You're talking
6: to Lisa, who's equally, I would argue, kind of a nerd like me. Perhaps. Perhaps. That's Brennan, worse. Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry, Madeleine no, Kahn, no. 1985 was when it came here. out.
0: I was born in 85.
6: What? I'm so disappointed. Okay, anyway,
0: right. I, I
6: digress. I got nothing for you because now I'm just so upset that I can't make a reference to so a, get a it. So on a
0: serious note on China-US relations, I had a great conversation <laughs> with Don Strassheim of, um, of Evercore today, who focuses on China, and we talked about this tension around jobs, in the United States, and there's tension around jobs in China. And he basically said if you'd think about it, the United States wants back all the jobs it had lost over the last couple of decades, and it's the low paying, low value add manufacturing jobs, it's the coal stuff, it's the mining stuff. They want them back. And he said that China's approach is basically you can have them because guess what we want? We want the high-value-added manufacturing jobs that you have in the United States right now, and we're coming after them. And he said that that's where the biggest tension is going to be, not the stuff happening right now, Hmm. because he's saying China's attitude, and you spoke to him as well, Alex, he's saying China's attitude is you can have them, but we're coming after this. And that's going to be the clash of the next decade that I think is really going to bubble over.
5: The clash that we have to pay attention to, right? But in the short term, though, there's going to be a lot of words and they're going to be potentially ugly.
6: Yeah, I, I'm obviously keying into Section uh, 232 and what he winds up doing about that. Uh, and that's basically like tariffs on steel and aluminum uh, as national security issue. That's right. What I find pretty cool about that, though, is that we don't actually import that much from china in that area and the high quality aluminum that we use and steel that we use is here and in the middle east and so the reasoning is if you wind up deflating the prices of aluminum and steel we're going to have to import it from the middle east because smelters here will close that's the weirdest argument
0: it's an interesting Th- argument did i lose
6: you guys too Is a clue in this we, it's over no at least we can, it's no no, like no i'm an idiot
0: we can no, carry just, on in the commercial break i think we've got like 30 seconds left have got anything to add lisa in like 10. No, okay, watch Clue. Seriously, okay. do it. Just do it. I- I I've been rendered speechless. All don't right. buy
6: sketchers, just watch Clue. Don't,
0: don't
1: buy Skechers, <laughs> well, okay. Whoa, Let's Whoa. go,
0: let's go. Bloomberg's Alex Still and Bloomberg's Lisa Brambitz. Lisa died a little bit inside. <laughs> this is Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to The cable.